Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to Truth For Today. I'm Joseph Franta of Joseph Franta Ministries, and uh, we're going through the book of Ephesians. If you've not yet checked out our website, www.josephfranta, F-R-A-N-T-A, ministries, plural, dot org. Check it out. All these podcasts are archived on our website. They're very easy to access, and uh, you can access the whole book of Ephesians if you like, or just certain selected podcasts. But we are now uh, going through the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. This is a, a tremendous work of Paul. It's a prison, one of his prison epistles uh, to a tremendous church in Ephesus, one of the greatest churches he founded. Um, and some historians believe it, excuse me, some historians believe there was over 50,000 people. We're going to go right back into where we left off. And we were talking about marriage. Uh, marriage between a man and a woman is a picture of Christ in the church, and we kind of went through that in verse 22 um, through 27. And I'm going to pick up in verse 28. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. So, you know, the church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head, and we believers individually are members of his body. And uh, But the head and the body are one. We're not two separate people, or two separate entities, excuse me. Christ and his church are one. We're one body. Be a pretty funny body if it didn't have a head. So Christ is connected to his body, and the body is connected to the head, Jesus Christ. So, as we go on here, verse 30, because we are members of his body. I'm so glad I'm in the body of Christ and I'm a member of the body. I have a place, I have a function that God has ordained for me to fill and to function in. And he has a place and a function for you in the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, he has ordained a place, a position, and a function for you in the body. You need to find out what it is. It'll fulfill your life, enhance your life, and show you your destiny in God. Okay, verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, it's a quote out of Genesis, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We're talking about physical marriage here, that a man and a woman, when they're married, become one flesh, they become one. Verse 32, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. So the church is married to Christ. Christ is married 
to his church, the body of Christ. We're one. You can't separate us from Christ. That's why Paul said in Romans, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why can't we be separated? Because we are one body with Christ. And you can't separate the body from the head. He's the universal supreme head of the church, Jesus Christ. He's the universal supreme head of the church. Not a man. Not a religious position. Jesus, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Christ is the builder of the church. Actually, he's the builder and the maker of all things, but he is the builder of the church. He created the church for his glory, and the Bible says that it is a glorious church. Verse 27, let's back up to verse 27. That he might present himself, Christ, that he might present to himself, Christ, the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. We're the body of Christ. We've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. According to this verse, in God's eyes, we are we have no spot, so we're spotless. We have no wrinkles or any such thing. We're pure and holy in God's eyes. The church of the living God. The ecclesia in the Greek. The body of Christ. We're holy and blameless and beyond reproach. We're his bride. We're the love of his life. He's the love of our life. And together, we form the body of Christ, Jesus being the head, and we individually being members of the body, every joint supplying each other for the glory of God. We're the glorious church, the church, the triumphant church, the victorious church, the powerful church, the loving expression of Jesus Christ on this earth, representing him, radiating him. We're his hands, we're his feet, we're his eyes, his ears, were his voice on this earth. The body of Christ has a very significant and important and prominent position on the earth. You know, we're going through all sorts of shakings and chaos and confusion right now. But I was meditating on this the other day. The church 
is the stability of this whole world system. You take the church out of the earth and you just have nothing but total disaster and chaos. Because the church, we are the ambassadors for Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We're the full expression of his glory and his power. We're the complete representation of Jesus on the earth to this lost and dying world. That's why we need to step it up and live in a place of integrity before God, a place of purity before God and before man, to be the light that God has created us to be in this world. He said to the early disciples, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Think about it, saints. Think about it, believers. You're the light. You're the salt. You're the body. You're the expression, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. What a privilege it is to be in the body of Christ, and what a privilege it is to be identified with Jesus Christ and to be in him. Okay, picking up here. For verse 31, for this, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great about marriage, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Can't separate the church from Christ. Can't separate Christ from the church. Nothing can separate us, it says in Romans 8, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 33, nevertheless, each individual among us also is to love his own wife even as Christ, excuse me, let me go over that again. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself. That'll take care of selfishness. And the wife must see to it that she respect her husband. So a lot of this religious teaching about marriage and uh, the place of the husband and the wife and, uh, you know, the husband is uh, in a place over the wife and the wife is to, is to do this, uh, you know, phony submission to her husband under fear of his control. It's not God. It's not, it's not what this is teaching. In fact, in Peter, we could get into it, but I don't have time. I'm trying to finish up some things here. But Peter says that we're both husband and wife, co-heirs 
or heirs of salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. We're co-heirs, it says. We're co-heirs. Sounds like equality to me, doesn't it? It's not one over the other. It's both together moving forward in God's destiny for your life and your marriage. Husbands, love your wives and respect them and serve them. You may not understand everything about women. I do not. But you know what? You can understand the love of God and you can demonstrate it every day of your life to your wife. And wives, love your husbands. Respect them. Encourage them. Lift them up. You may not understand everything about men. I don't think anybody does. But you know what? You understand the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So love one another. Cherish one another. Believe for one another to fulfill the call of God and the destiny on their life. Work together in peace and you'll see prosperity in your home and in your finances, husbands and wives. A lot of times, you know, strife is the one thing. It talks about it in the book of Proverbs that God hates strife between brothers, but, you know, he hates strife between people. It's one of the six things that God hates. It's strife among his people. And I've watched this in marriages because I have pastored. When the strife is dealt with and taken care of in the marriage, and when the strife leaves the marriage, prosperity comes financially to that marriage. Many times, financial prosperity is hindered by the strife going on between the husband and the wife. It says to abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. It says the beginning of strife is like letting out water, so abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. You husbands and wives, you know what I mean. Abandon it. Walk away from it. Muzzle your mouth and your emotions and get free from strife and you'll see. Your marriage will be like a watered garden of fresh water. It'll be a refreshing relationship and you will see financial prosperity as you never have experienced it before. God's hand and blessing will be on your finances. Okay, now we're going to go. God loves marriage, by the way. It's his idea. It's what he created to create the family. I have to mention that. Marriage and the family. It's the most precious 
institution on the face of the earth. I, I don't even like to call it an institution, but I mean, it's, it's the greatest plan that God had for man and woman on the face of the earth. To not only love each other, their whole lives, but to produce children that they can educate, train, teach in the ways of God and see them become princes and princesses on the earth for God. You say, why do you use that word? Because it's in, it's in one of the Psalms. In other words, extremely successful and influential on this earth. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my marriage, Jesus. I love my wife. She's such a blessing to me. She's taught me many things that I needed and uh, given me a lot of good instruction that I needed. Helped me along the way to get to where I am now. And I'm far, I'm far away from where I need to be, but at least I'm not where I was. In Ephesians chapter 6, wow, picking up here on family relationships, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, don't hide things from your parents. Be transparent with your parents. They're God-given to help you, train you, love you, cherish you, guard you, defend you, protect you, and your life, so you can be all that God has created you to be. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. What a promise. Honor your parents. That means respect them. Thank God for them. Help them as they get older. Don't be bitter. No one's perfect. They may have not have been perfect parents. Do you know anyone who is? Are you? No one's a perfect parent. We all make mistakes, but however, dwell on the good things. The Bible says, dwell on what's good and lovely what's pure and lovely and excellent and worthy of praise. You know, I love my parents. They're both passed on. They're both in heaven. Thank God. My father, my mother were tremendous examples. Trained me, sacrificed for me to go to certain schools. And I mean, they trained me. My dad loved Jesus. My mom loved Jesus. Were they perfect? Oh, no. Was I their son perfect? Oh, no. Did I have to forgive them sometimes? Oh, yes. Did they have to forgive me many times? Oh, yes. Forgive. Let go. Forget. And move on, folks. Don't live in your past or in something that happened to you that was not right. Forgive and love. God can restore anything through forgiveness and love. 
almost want to cry right now because there's so many out there, so many marriages and families that need to forgive. and need to purpose to love each other, not hold grudges and resentment for this and that. If Jesus forgave you, so also should you forgive them. You know, we went over this, but I'm going to turn back to it real quick. In Ephesians 4, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, 430, Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, that's anger, well, you know, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, talking behind people's back, and slander, slandering people, be put away from you along with all malice, you know, evil intent. Well, you know, Trying to get back. Evil for evil. God says don't do it. Don't don't give evil for evil. But instead give a blessing. Verse 32. But be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Tender hearted. Tender hearted. Where's your heart? Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We should never hold a grudge. We should never have bitterness, resentment for something someone's done to us. That's not Christ-like. Don't live out of hurt emotions, hurt memories, wounds and bruises, and putrefying sores, it says in the book of Isaiah chapter 1. Live out of a heart of compassion. Be tender-hearted. Forgive, forget, let go, and move on. You don't have time. Life is too short to hold on to things that you should never have to hold on to. Let go. Let God. Trust God. Live in peace with all men as far as it depends on you. Right. Tears are almost coming to my eyes. Honestly, I see out there, and I want to pray right now for the families. If your family's been broken, if your family's been divided, separated by whatever, whatever sins or whatever things transpired in the past, in the name of Jesus, I pray for healing right now. For families, for husbands, for wives, for parents, for children, for sisters, for brothers. I pray for healing to come into your heart, to make it soft and tender so you can forgive even those that have really offended you and hurt you deeply. Right now, in the name of Jesus, forgive them. Make a decision, a quality decision to forgive those that have hurt you wounded you, offended you, said evil about you, forgive. Right now, in the name of Jesus, 
through the power of God, by the grace of God, you can do it. You can do it. Just make the decision to do it, and God's grace will fill your heart to do it. Say, I'm going to forgive my mom. I'm going to forgive my dad for whatever they did to hurt me. I'm going to forgive my brother or my sister or myself. Whoever hurt me, I'm going to forgive them completely. I'm setting them free today. I'm letting go of this bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. I choose Jesus over unforgiveness. I choose Jesus over resentment and bitterness. I choose Jesus over bad memories, over wounds, hurts, bruises. I choose Jesus. And I release healing right now. Say it out of your mouth. I release healing and forgiveness toward my mom, toward my dad, toward my sister, toward my brother, toward any friends that hurt me, any boyfriends, any girlfriends. I release healing and forgiveness toward them right now. I set them free so that God can enter their life and enter their heart and transform them and give them a new life like he's given to me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Tell you, I can feel the Spirit of God so strong here today. I didn't plan this, but, you know, as we started teaching on this, I know it's the heart of God for families to be restored. The devil loves to uh, cause division, separation. That's his, you know, one, one of his number one plans. But through the power of love, through the power of God's grace, you can destroy the devil's plan and you can obtain God's plan for your family, which, which is love, harmony, unity, peace, and prosperity. Bless you today, whoever you are listening, whoever you are that said that prayer, bless you and your family in the name of Jesus. <coughs> God's got a plan much greater than man. God's got a plan that will stand God's got a plan that will prosper. God's got a plan that will unite and not be divisive and fight. God's got a plan for every man, woman, child, every family, and a destiny of prosperity for every person on the face of this earth to bring success and peace and joy where there's been hurt and pain. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, now, 
Verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents, take control of your, as much as you can, of your children's education. And then it says, verse 5, slaves, be obedient to those who were, who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Well, that's talking about that culture in that day. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ or servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. This is the whole purpose of this. Learning to do the will of God from the heart. Bible says, my son, give me your heart. That's what God wants. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. God sees your heart. And he really loves you with his whole heart. I want to finish just one more. I only have a minute left. With good will, with good will. Oh, let's have good will. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether a servant or free. And masters do the same things to them and give up threatening. If you're an employer, give up threatening. Knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. The bottom line is operating God's love. God is love. He's a God of compassion, kindness, and forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, I pray that the Father's love will surround you today, that his presence will be with you and upon you. In the name of Jesus, Amen.